Hi and welcome. This is Nibbles in Space with me, Malcolm McDonald. Our innate view of exploration has been shaped over millennia. Explorers are brave idols gaining fame. Explorers return with treasure and tales of the amazing. Exploration creates wealth. Exploration is done by humans. Ever since we started telling each other stories of travel beyond our Earth over 2,000 years ago, we've told stories of human explorers. And many, though not all, of the early pioneers of space technology were motivated by the idea of human spaceflight. But still today, Earth remains a uniquely habitable planet. Going to space is not like going on a cruise ship on the oceans. In a spaceship, we have to build the system to create and maintain an environment that can approximate that of Earth's. So, what is zero gravity like? Well, I can't lie, from my own experience it's a lot of fun. But it's also surprising just how quickly you adapt, even to only short periods of weightlessness like I've experienced. Our perception of gravity informs so many of our senses, and space sickness is experienced by as many as half the people who adapt to weightlessness. While I was lucky to avoid it, that number does fit with my own experience. And space sickness is basically the opposite of motion sickness. It's when things appear to be in motion, but there's no sensation of motion. Prolonged periods of weightlessness affect our body in lots of ways. Bone density decreases, muscles lose strength because we're not using them, we get taller, and the fluid in our body shifts from the lower limbs to the upper body. And to help counteract these effects, just like on ground, exercise and health checks are vital. A space cabin, rather similar to an airliner, it's a pressurised structure designed to maintain an atmosphere. But in space, even the air we breathe is complex. After all, you can't just open a window to let in some fresh air. Any air that leaks must be replaced from tanks on board, and typically the onboard atmosphere will have a lower pressure than at sea level. The composition of the air on board is a careful mix of oxygen and inert gases to balance the needs of human physiology whilst also minimising the fire risk. Cabin air will also include carbon dioxide and water vapour, but too much carbon dioxide causes headaches and nausea. The materials used in a cabin are also need to be very carefully selected, both from a fire safety perspective and also to ensure they don't release toxic gases into the air. The absence of gravity also creates challenges as you get pockets of different gases in different parts of the cabin. For example, carbon dioxide will accumulate around a sleeping astronaut's head, so the air in the cabin must be circulated, making sure to avoid any stagnant areas and mixing the air as best possible. After air, water is the most critical resource. The standard allocation per person per day is just over 3.5 kilograms of water for drinking and food preparation and 26 kilograms for other uses, so washing, laundry and so on. For spacecraft with fuel cell power systems, water is produced as a byproduct. On the International Space Station, 
Power is produced by solar rays, and as water is the most heavily consumed item for life support, it's vital that as much be recycled as possible. And on the space station, they do a great job of recycling. Even urine is recycled. Generally, anything that can be recycled is. In low Earth orbit, the atmosphere continues to provide some protection from space radiation, but even here, and certainly beyond, methods to mitigate the effects of this on the crew must be carefully considered. To help reduce the risk of cancer, spacecraft will have areas with increased shielding against space radiation where crew can shelter, and this is often the crew sleeping quarters. However, life in space requires more than just these basics. The type of lighting and its placement can be vital, as is avoiding annoying and loud sounds from equipment. And of course, you need to feed people. Generally, food is stored and resupplied from the ground at regular intervals, but that isn't an option as we move further away from Earth. And some small-scale production of vegetables and other crops has been tested in space. And of course, having access to good quality and a variety of food can be critical for crew morale. As we do once again venture beyond low Earth orbit, as missions get longer and crew sizes larger, closing the life support system will become vital, making life in space more self-sustaining and less dependent on being resupplied from Earth. And hopefully, this will also teach us a few things about how we might live better on Earth. This was a Nibble in Space with me, Malcolm McDonald. For a little more of a nibble on this with some visuals, why not visit spaceprof.xyz or subscribe to the podcast for our future nibbles. In the next nibble, we'll munch and muse just who governs space. <laughs>